The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Would you do that for me? Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read a passage of Scripture, the beginning, if you would, please, in verse 12. uh, Philippians, rather, chapter 2, verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Please notice with me an interesting verse that we all deal with. Verse 14. Do all things without murmurings, and disputings. I'm going to preach on the sin of complaining. Wait a minute, preacher. Have you noticed the weather outside? That's not fair. I get it. Welcome to sunny Florida, as Dr. Atkins already said, and is not the rain weird here? I mean, you're getting ready. You look out the window. It's sunshine. By the time you step off the elevator, monsoon. I mean, it's just the way it is. You can't prepare for this. I loved it watching you come in, you know. You realize rain doesn't fall from the sky. It goes this way, you know. And you hold your umbrella like this. And uh, that's, that's how you make it in Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> I loved it. Watching you come in, I, I knew what I was preaching. And I thought, oh, this is, this is not good. Oh, I think God set this up. Really, I do. Uh, you came in, I saw one girl, she sat, and she just took her dress, and she just kept doing this with her dress. Still modest, still modest, real long dress, but she was doing this, getting the water off of it. I saw one other girl, just about three, set, three seats beside her, take off her shoes and just pouring it on the carpet. She just, t- that's not the best one. The best one was the guy walking down this aisle right here. He was coming down, he had all this water on him, and he did what a dog would do, you know, just kind of like this. And I thought, he's shaking it like a dog. It's like my German shepherd back at home, you know, growing up. And uh, so you all had to manage this weather. Welcome to the rain in Pensacola. And of all times to preach on complaining, I wonder how many of you complained about the weather today? Would you lift your hand? Now, come on. It's between you and God. Just as I am without one plea. Oh, I have to tell you, I had a young man from our church 
come here for the very first time and came to my office and I prayed with him and I was excited about his prospect here and I said, uh, let, me, let me give you some advice. I said, in fact, it's the same advice I gave to my son. And I began to tell him, I said, now when you get there, choose your friends. Be careful who you hang around. And I warned him of the negativity that could be in some circles of friends. I got thinking about that. We prayed. He went on his way. He's here now. I'm happy for him. Uh, I got thinking about that. You know, I remember telling my son that. In fact, I wrote him a long text. Actually, it was one of those notes, digital notes, and sent it to his phone. And uh, I wonder, I thought, what if he still has it? I've got a new phone. I lost all of it. And, uh, and I, I texted him just yesterday. I said, hey, do you still have the text I gave you years ago in regards to what to remember when you go to PCC? Is, is it freshman your first day? I sent it to him. In three seconds, he sent it to me. I thought, wow, impressive. And so I'm going to read it to you. I think it's appropriate. I'll, there's 10 of them. And I call this, it's pretty interesting, I think it's cool, it's called PCC Principles. All right, here they are. Number one, every morning, devotions. Every morning. I put, if you miss this, you'll miss God's plan for you that day. So I said, every morning, devotions. Then I wrote him this one, I said, keep The right friends. This is principle number two. Keep the right friends. Guard your heart in this manner. Whoever you hang around, that's who you'll become by Christmas. That'll preach. Okay, cool. Then I said, oh, oh, I got to read you number 10. Number 10 is my favorite one. You ready? If you meet a girl, I should have said miracle, but if you meet a girl... If she loves Jesus, see if she loves Jesus. If she does, then she won't be in love with herself. Amen. Right, guys? Amen. It applies to boys too, of course. All of us. If we are in love with Jesus, we'll avoid loving ourselves. I thought that was pretty good. I thought that preached. But then I gave him this one, number three. I'll go back to number three. Here's what I said to him. Never jump on the negative bandwagon. There will be those who will complain and put down PCC. Keep your distance from them. Remember that God put you there. And it is a good place. It's not a perfect place. Keep your distance from them. And what did I say again? Watch out for what we call the negative bandwagon. And a phrase bandwagon is interesting. I, I got thinking about what is it? Do you know it came, it, it came from P.T. Barnum back in 1855 when he was writing his autobiography. He first coined that word bandwagon. It was what the circus would do to get people to come to the big top. They would get this wagon, put a band on it, and go down the streets playing the music to get everybody all caught up. So P.T. Barnum started this thought of the bandwagon. The whole concept was, if you want a great crowd, you want a gathering, get them on board the bandwagon. And I'm afraid there is a negative bandwagon that many of us jump on board too easily and too quickly, and someone needs to sound the warning from God's Word. Verse 14 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Interesting here, the word murmurings and disputings, those are the two types of complaining. 
It's, it's, it's two words for the same sin. Now, psychologists will tell you there's, there's several forms of complaining. I looked this up, and some of these psychologists said there is, especially in the area of business and customer service, they said there is this thing called meek complaining. You know, they don't say a whole lot, but their spirit will tell you something's wrong. And so there's meek complaining. And then there is the aggressive complaining. That's the one that loud and proud lets everybody know about it, and what he doesn't like. Everybody's got to know about it. And then, then there is the one that is the chronic complainer. He said, my roommate, that's right there, that's who that is. A chronic complainer that just everything, everything is so horrible. And it's just, they, they got to they voice it. But God says there's two types. There's murmuring and disputings. The murmuring is the more emotional response. It, the, the word itself is even pronounced like its meaning. It's a guttural word that comes from within, murmur. And it has the idea of something that is deep, emotional, and it is that emotional rejection because of a displeasure. The other one is the word disputings. That's more the intellectual. Where one is emotional, this one is argument, calculations, back and forth discussions. In other words, intellectually here, I raise questions, I raise doubts because they're legitimate. Things are wrong and everybody needs to hear about it. That's disputings. Both are forms of rejection. Both are displeasures that are expressed verbally without any honest attempt to make things better. You know, it's like this. Something's wrong, and it needs to be disliked to everybody I talk to. Pretty much what complaining is. But God says, stop it. Don't get on this bandwagon. Now, I know it's hard to preach this. I mean... It's hard because complaining is almost as easy as breathing. We live in a world where customer is always right. They need to be heard. We even have little comment cards you're supposed to fill out. Wouldn't you hate to be the person to have to read over those? Because basically it's a stack of complaints. And, and don't you just hate it when someone comes in and says, I don't mean to complain, but you know they're going to complain. I had a guy come to my office the other day talking about a problem. He says, now, preacher, don't take this personal. But, and I don't know what else he said because I was still taking it personal. I had no idea what he said. I was just like, he thinks I'm doing this. He thinks I'm doing this. You know, it's just so easy. The complaint department is basically management improvement. We are getting, we're used to it. We need to hear it. And whether you're looking at God or the government, technology or personalities from where you sit to the far expanse of the universe. Can I say this? You can find something to complain about. And by the way, complaining doesn't make you a big person. It doesn't validate that you're always right. You know, we get in the habit. It is a habit. It's not a character trait. And please understand, it is not a spiritual gift. I am here to set things right. No. It's not a spiritual gift. You know, it's, some people are so good at it, they have their own card. Here's my card. If you have a complaint, let me do it for you. I'm very good. We'll do it for you. And we all know who the complainer is. Don't we? We all know who he is or she. And if you don't know, you're, you're probably the one. 
We all know who it is. And God says, stop complaining. Let me give you three reasons why we got to watch this sin of murmuring and disputings. Number one, can I say it this way? Because of its seriousness. See the seriousness of it. God counts it as a serious sin. If you don't think so, go back to your Old Testament history. Read how the children of Israel got in trouble so many times because of their murmuring and complaining. Whether it was against Moses or against God, they got in some really deep trouble. How serious is it to God? Number one, it's serious because it's in holy writ. It's in the Bible. You know, God takes it serious because he told us to do all things without murmurings or complainings. Paul writes this letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you know what's interesting about this passage? Philippians 2 is known as the classic passage of the glory of Christ's humiliation or Christ's humility. Let me say it this way. Yes, it was a humiliation on the cross, but it was his humbleness that he went to a cross and died for you, left heaven's glory, and did all of it for you. You will not find a greater example of humility than in Jesus, and you won't find it talked about as clearly as Paul does in Philippians chapter 2. Isn't it interesting? In the same passage, we, we talk of the glory of the humility of Christ he tells us, now watch your complaining. If he did that for you, what do you have to complain about? It's interesting. It's inspired. Another reason it's so serious, can I tell you this? It's a part of your working out of your salvation. Look at what he says here in verse, uh, verse 12, actually. He says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now... Much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when he says work out your own salvation, he's not saying come up with your own plan to save yourself. That's not the wording, even though it sounds that way. But what he means is that the salvation that God's given you, don't let it be the best kept secret in the world. Work it out. Work it out. Like somebody offends you, someone hurts you. Your Christianity needs to kick in. You need to forgive. Well, I can't forgive them. You know what they did to me? No, but if your Christianity kicks in, the Spirit of God will help you forgive them. you got to work that salvation out. There are times there will be problems in my church, and I wonder, oh, I hope they don't get offended. I hope they don't get offended. And I think to myself, wait a minute, their Christianity is going to have to work. You've been saved. You have the Spirit of God. We really don't have an excuse to just to, to, to shirk and, and, and walk away from this great work God's doing in us. And so the point is, don't grumble. Don't complain. It's part of your salvation in that it is to be working out. We talk about personality types. We talk about our present circumstances. You know what Paul did when he wrote this? He was in jail. He was in jail. He had a slight prospect of being released, but not for sure. But yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says that in this letter. And if anyone's going to tell you, don't crumble, don't complain, here's one who's got everything working against him. And he says, don't complain. 
So it's in Holy Writ. It's part of the working out of our salvation. But I'm going to tell you how, how serious it is. In the fact that God says, do all things. You know how serious this is? It's so serious that God says, don't let it get in any area of your life. In everything you do. In every situation. He says, do all things. So find out all the things you do. Find out all the decisions you make. Psychologists tell us that on average, we make 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000. From the morning you get up, the moment you get up to the rest of the end of your day, you're going to be somewhere in about 35,000 decisions, you know, consciously, unconsciously, but you're making them. But in everything that you do, it's so serious, God says, don't let it seep into your life. Don't let it get in there. Become a part of who you are. With no exception, think about it, your relationships. Don't let negativity get in that. I remember one time meeting a girl here. My freshman year, I met a girl here. She was, she was really pretty. She was nice, it seemed. At the very beginning, we, we, we kind of just hung out. She was the homecoming queen at her, her, her school, you know, where she went. And you're like, wow, this is great. And about two weeks later, I, I became very uninterested. In fact, I remember saying, see ya. Don't want to be with you, you know. I just didn't want to do it. And she, well, I remember one time in the library, we couldn't talk in the library, so she was doing all these sign language things at me. And I'm going, hmm, hmm, hmm. And the, 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 the tears began to pour. She knew paradise was leaving her. And no, no, it wasn't that bad. But you know why I became uninterested? Every time I got with her, how's it going? Oh. Oh, that quiz. Oh, that class. Oh, the homework. And I was like, praise the Lord, you know? And it was just constant. And I'll tell you what it did. It made the homecoming queen very unattractive. I'm honest about that. And so will grumble and complain and do to you. In every hour, your relationships, schedules, activities, You take whatever you're doing, even the rules, even the rules, your authority, your floor leader, your job, the classes, the assignments, they're all on you. But God says in every area, do all things. That's how serious it is. Not one area should get a pass for complaining. Number two. Not only because of the seriousness of it, because of the sovereign in it. I mean the sovereign, I'm talking about the sovereign Lord Jesus. He's in your life. He's working for you. Notice verse 13. He says, for it is God. Can I stop right there and say, it's God. You're here. You're at Pensacola Christian College. You're doing what you're doing. How How did this happen? God. God's made it so. God's provided a way. He's landed you here. It is God. And what is he doing? He's working in you. Look what he says here in verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know how God works? He deals with not only to get you to do the right thing, but to create the desire in you to do the right thing. He does the, both the will and the deed. 
And that's great because why? God doesn't force any of us to do right. God doesn't force any of us to, to be good little boys and girls and do what God's called me to do. You know why I'm a preacher? Because God put the desire in me. And he did it when I was a sophomore here in college. I remember surrendering my life and saying, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And listen, I know sometimes they can sound pretty humble, but for these preachers that say, you know, when God called me to preach, I knew I had to surrender. I surrendered because, you know, God would kill me if I didn't preach. Listen, God doesn't need you that bad, okay? But this idea that, boy, I had to surrender, God tracked me down like a bloodhound, and, and you know, if, if I didn't do his will, he would have killed me. Let me tell you something. God doesn't work that way. He's not the taskmaster with the whip to get you to do what's right. He works in your life and gives you the desires. No wonder David said that, that if, if I would delight myself in him, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord. So God's creating, and, and by the way, while you're here, he's going to create in you. That's why some of you already have changed your majors. You got here, had all these expectations, and all of a sudden, God's got you alone, and he's working on you. And all of a sudden, your desires are like, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I want to do the right thing. God, I believe this is what you want me to do. After that chapel message, Lord, this is what I need to be doing. And so God is working in us. But may I say this, a complaining spirit will throw a wet blanket on that. God does his work on the inside, but if on the inside I've got nothing more than a complaint department, it just dispels that interest and joy of serving the Lord. It will affect it. It's so toxic. Why? Think about complaining. Basically, it's the ultimate self-centeredness, right? I mean, self-pity toward any inconvenience that comes to our life. You know, it, in other words, I'm so focused on myself that I deserve constant convenience. That's what we say when we live this way. Basically, with this self-centeredness and this kind of pity, you know what that really is? Pride. Show me the person that always complains. We know who they are. You know what the problem is? Not that blessed their hearts, everything goes wrong with them. No, they live in the same world you live in. But the problem is they got a problem with pride. And that's why it's so toxic. It's so toxic. Can I say this? You can't always win. If you always won, no one could get along with you. Losing a time or two is okay. And for every Alabama fan, can I say, it's going to be okay. I, look, Alabama fans are interested. They always win. I'm like, I'm watching it. I said, welcome to the rest of the world. Now you know how we feel. You know, I just wanted to tell Saban that. Speaking of Saban, I had a man in my church, Auburn fan. They do not like Nick Saban. In fact, they call him Nick Satan. That was his name for him. And uh, here's Nick Saban, you know, I'm watching it, and, and all of a sudden, for the first time, I'm, I'm feeling sorry for the guy. Are you kidding me? I'm a Tennessee Volunteer fan. But I'm like, I feel sorry for him. Now he knows how the rest of us feels. Welcome to the real world. But remember what God said about pride. Remember, 1 Peter chapter 5, 
He says, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Be clothed with humility. That almost sounds like another phrase that's used in the scripture. Be ye holy. You know what God is saying? Your job, your responsibility. When you get up in the morning, you've got to clothe yourself. Now, we know that physically, but spiritually, we're to clothe ourselves with humility. It is your job to keep an eye on your pride levels. And you've got to clothe yourself with humility. When something happens, it doesn't seem right. I want to strike out and complain. I've got to remember, wait a minute, I'm wearing humility. I don't need to be proud and spew my complaint. Why? Because of this very reason. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. I'm going to tell you something. Wherever you find pride, it's like oil and water. They do not mix with the grace of God. You show me a person who's complaining and I will show you a person God's probably not working in their life because pride's there, God resisted. And wherever this toxic complaining is happening in a person's heart, God can't work there. He can't use. The Lord brought this to my heart personally just last week. I was down praying, Lord laid my heart to pray and I was praying for my Christian school I have, have pastors who have a Christian school know there, there are toils and there are burdens and martyrdoms, all the stuff that goes with Christian, Christian school. And I, I'm going through all of this and I'm praying about it. And then all of a sudden the Lord just impressed upon my heart. If you'll stop complaining and pray more, things will happen. Why? My complaining was the problem where God's grace is not working. May I remind you that when you're parents dropped you off here when they got in their car and drove away maybe there was a few tears I went through that when I dropped my kids off dropped my daughter off I cried dropped my son no I dropped my son off I was so happy to see him go anyway that kid anyway but when I dropped them off and I remember the day my parents did the same thing for me it's like I turned around And I realize, Lord, it's just me and you. And that's good. Now he wants to work in you. It is God that worketh. The sovereign has got you here. And the worst thing you could ever do is join the bandwagon. I'll give you this last one. And it's very serious because of the text here. Look at verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Okay. I need to refrain from murmuring and disputing because it's seriousness. Because of the sovereign who's working in my heart. But look at this next one. It's the last phrase of verse 15. Ye shine. Because of your shining testimony. Do you know that if you complain, you ruin your Christian testimony? Why? This world is filled with misery. God called it a crooked and perverse nation. Don't be shocked that there's corruption in Washington. There's corruption everywhere. Why? That's the cursed world in which we're living in. You know what God does to a cursed world? Even Christ in John 17 prayed, Lord, I'm going to leave them in the world. Don't take them, but leave them in the world. And I pray for them. In other words, Christ leaves you in this world for a reason. 
He could have saved you and took you on to glory, but he didn't. He left you here. And you're to be here as a light, shining testimony for Jesus Christ. In fact, notice the very next phrase in verse 16. He says, as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. In other words, in a world of misery, in a world of sin and drugs and problems and corruption and all of this toxic complaining because everything in the world is wrong, all of a sudden you look and there's somebody who's different. There's somebody who's not joined up on the bandwagon. There's somebody who's not complaining, but they're singing. They're happy. And what's happening? They're holding forth the word of life. You know what the word of life is? It is God, Christ the hope of glory. You have it in your body. You have it in your soul. God saved you, made you his own dear child, and what are you now? You're his light. And this world will not get it unless they see it in you. Because you're the only one holding it. But if you join the bandwagon, you will not shine. May God help us not to jump on board the bandwagon. Of complaint. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.